Welcome to the C3 Calgary podcast. We're so grateful that you're a part of our family and we'd love to invite you to one of our services. To find locations, times, and more information about our church, visit our website at myc3church.ca or find us on Instagram. Enjoy the message. Lord, we thank you. Your grace is raining down upon this place, Lord. I thank you, God. Every one of us experiences your love, your grace, your unconditional love that no matter what circumstances we've come in with, no matter how heavy our heart is or what we're facing or what we're going through at the moment, we can rest knowing that you have grace and grace abundantly. So I thank you today as we've worshiped, you've been speaking. As we've connected, you've been speaking, and I know through your word, you'll continue to speak to our hearts. So we submit the rest of this time to you, and and we love you, God. We stay in this place of saying how sweet the sound of your amazing grace. Amen. Amen. Yeah, so good. Awesome, worship team. Thank you. You can grab a seat if you're here in person and online. You can do whatever you want to do. We can't see you anyway. But we're so happy that you're with us here today. My name's Stephen. My wife, Brittany, and I are the location pastors of our downtown Calgary location, C3 East Village. Um, We're a part of the team here, and I'm also the creative director. But more importantly than that, I'm a part of the community here, the family. And we love getting to raise our, our two boys in such an awesome community. And it's just good to be back. Good to be back, and I'm excited. Next week, we can... Uh, have more people in this room, those out in the foyer, we, we love you in the overflow. Next week, you can come on in if you want, but of course, if you want to stay out there, that'll be available. So give me a holler if you're out there in the foyer. Oh yeah, we heard you, you're awesome. <laughs> Privilege today to get to kick off a new sermon series for our summer. This one is going to be awesome. It's called Hot Topics. You asked about dot, dot, dot. And a little while ago, um, on, the, uh, on the social media and as well as in conversation, we put out what are some of the topics for the summer as a church community we, you want to explore, you, you want to hear about. If you missed out on that, um, I'm sorry about that. It's just a, a great reason to engage with our social media. We're going to continue to do things like that. It's not a replacement for community, but it is a supplement, and we can continue to reach out during the week. But we had a lot of great topics come back that we're going to try and take on as a team. For every question that was asked, I'm sure there's more of us exploring and and, um, wondering that. And we had all kinds of things come in. This summer, we're going to look at, is the creation story literal? Reading our word. Uh, Look at issues on sexuality and uh, gender pronouns. Um, living Christianity out in a, in a culture that seemingly uh, would, would want to be very different to how we would live and believe. Uh, of course, the one that Pastor Lorne is absolutely just pumped about preaching on. So what about aliens? That one came in. You know, I actually wanted to speak on this one too. Uh, I gave him an arm wrestle about it, but since he's my father-in-law and I let him win, so he got to go with that topic. But we're in for a great summer, and thanks for giving that feedback. But today, the, um, the thing that you asked about that I want to respond to, why would a good God allow suffering? Why would a 
good God allows suffering. Pray once more before we jump into this. Lord, I thank you that you're here and you're present and you're not afraid of our questions and you're not afraid of the wrestle that many of us have. And we declare that you're a good God, but we acknowledge there's suffering in the world around us. So we pray today, more than the words I'm speaking, Holy Spirit, I know you're speaking to people. And there's more going on behind the scenes than from the platform today. So Lord, I thank you. You're meeting people where they're at. And as we explore what you have to say and, and, and how this uh, tension can be, I know that you're speaking and you have peace and comfort for those going through suffering. In the name of Jesus, amen. Devastating news to, to come out once again this week uh, about the atrocities committed with our First Nations people, another 750 uh, graves found there in Saskatchewan, plus places popping up all around, all around Canada. And this is uh, unjust and it's wrong on so many levels and it breaks our heart. Um, I know it breaks your heart too. And we can ask, why does this kind of thing happen? And especially when it's done at times in people representing the church or representing God or representing leadership. It doesn't take far to look around and know there's suffering I know today there's many people suffering on a personal level. Uh, maybe it's health-related, maybe it's relationally, maybe something's been taken away. And uh, we don't have to be rocket scientists or the sharpest knife in the drawers to know that suffering is a huge part of what's taking place in the world today, in our lives and those around us. It's a never-ending list. A, a few months ago, uh, Brittany and I, we were asked to zoom in and, and pray with a family that was connected to um, our East Village location. We didn't know the family who had just had a, a baby who was born, a healthy baby, and, uh, and then 90 days into that, started experiencing health, uh, all kinds of health things, multiple heart attacks and brain swelling and all kinds of things at 90 days of age. And uh, we zoomed in and saw this beautiful baby who was, was swollen and suffering, and then 10 days later, that baby passed away. And we can look at that and see, and it stirs us, and we can see the suffering and go, that is meaningless. God, why would a good God allow suffering? And the truth is, the Word of God, as we respond to this topic today, does not shy away by any means or whitewash suffering. The Apostle Paul wrote in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 8, we are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed. Right here, even in these two verses, Paul acknowledges that suffering's multifaceted. He speaks of a mental suffering, a physical suffering, emotional suffering, and spiritual and so in response to this question, and we're going to jump into it here soon, uh, in a one-on-one -on -one setting, pastorally, I would respond very differently depending on where the question was coming from. If someone's asking this in a philosophical, theological way, uh, pondering why a good God would allow suffering, we respond differently than if somebody is going through suffering and is saying, in my suffering right now, I'm struggling to see why a good God would allow this. And in this room today and online, maybe we have, I'm sure we have 
all um, all sort of all over the um, spot where that question might be asked, depending where you're at in life. Someone pondering that philosophically, and someone going through suffering and heartbreak and pain right now, wondering why God is allowing it. We're gonna try to deal with that today, and I want to give some thoughts and uh, an encouragement and some context of why a good God might allow suffering. So really, the word never specifically, necessarily addresses suffering on a personal level of what you're going through, why that might be happening. But on a macro level, on a big picture, we can understand why suffering takes place in the world. In fact, the Bible is all about suffering. In preparation for this message, I couldn't find one significant biblical figure who didn't go through a season of suffering. If you know that, yell it out. Um, We'll call this the prove the pastor wrong uh, segment of the service. But I couldn't think of someone who didn't go through some form of suffering in the Bible. Really, for the first three three chapters, it's good, and then goes downhill there pretty quick. And there's a period and a climate where potential for suffering can take place. But there's good news today that we also get to see the end and what's going to happen and the restoration in the end time. So we're going to look at that today. But one of, there's an entire book devoted to suffering, the book of Job um, in the Bible. I want to just kind of highlight that story to, to set a bit of context before we break down this, this question a little more. So in Job 1, verse 1, it says, There was a man in the land of Oz, Aussie, who is, he must have been an Aussie like me, whose name was Job, and this man was blameless and upright, fearing God and shunning evil. So right here in the first verse, we've seen that Job is legit. He's a, he's a good guy. He, he fears God. That means he has reverence for God. He's, there's no evil in him. There's no reason for suffering to come upon him. But many of us would know the story that it goes on, and Job experiences great periods of, of suffering. He loses not just one of his children. He loses many children, loses his possessions and everything he's, he's gained. And then he uh, has this health problems, this infliction that comes upon him. And it says it's so uncomfortable and it's so um, hurts so much and it's unbearable that he takes a broken shard of pottery and starts to scrape the boils trying to bring comfort to it, but he can't ease the suffering. We see that Job um, kind of ends up, his wife even comes to him in, in chapter 2, verse 9, and says, do you still have your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? That's pretty heavy. I know for me, uh, I'm kind of at a point in life now where I, I'm not too worried about what people say and think, and especially during COVID, you can't seem to say anything without upsetting somebody. But I know if my wife says something, that means the world to me. I love after a message or a preach when people come and, and give me encouragement, it means a lot, or when they come and rebuke me, well, thank you, Jesus, that's awesome. Um, but if my wife is to encourage me or do the opposite, that carries a whole bunch more meaning than the rest of you all. No offense, I love you guys too. But Job's wife comes to him and says this. This is a great period of suffering. We see through the story, some of Job's friends come to be with him and comfort him and give advice to him. But, he, um, but they're not, not really on it. They start to say, look, God uh, must be punishing you for your sin. God's causing this suffering to take place because of what you did. What did you do, Job? They start to say these things. I'm sure we've all had friends who have tried to bring comfort to us, and they just haven't quite hit the nail on the head. Uh, we've all probably been that friend too, so that's okay. 
Another friend comes to Job and talks about maybe there's a lesson in this. Maybe God's teaching you something. And he's starting to get a, a little warmer on that. We see Job bring, um, bring his pain and suffering to God. And then God respond in a way uh, and show Job um, what, what's, that maybe there's something bigger going on in his suffering than, he, than Job can comprehend in the moment. Maybe there's something greater going on. And, and I'm not going to preach specifically from here, but there's some interesting things that are brought up that I want to tackle that I think can help us answer this question, why would a God allow suffering? You see, the view of Job's friends as saying that suffering is directly related to punishment from God, that you must have done something wrong to experience this suffering that's taking place. But we know that can't be true. It says Job was uh, right, blameless and without evil in the story. So they didn't get it right there. Uh, another view of one of his other friends, like I said, is that God's causing the suffering to teach. Now, we saw that, we see in the story that God didn't actually cause the suffering at all. He allowed it. He set boundaries around it, but it was the accuser who comes and causes the suffering. But he does go on to teach and learn a lesson. There's the view of the, the enemy that comes to us and says, uh, that God's only worth following if things are going right, and if they're not, then God mustn't be true or he mustn't be good. There's the view of Job's wife that says our, our suffering should be cause of to leave God, and if we see suffering around the world, if we see things like we have seen over this last few weeks taking place, then that's a reason to leave God or leave Christianity or leave our faith because he mustn't be good. But then there's God's view that shows us there's more to suffering than meets the eye. That there's something bigger going on. And this is so hard to see when we're in suffering. But at times we need to take a step back and go, is there something else taking place here? Is God trying to do something with this suffering that might flow on to a greater effect than what would have happened without of it? So firstly here, um, in the next kind of five minutes or ten minutes, I want to tackle it from a philosophical standpoint, this question, if someone was asking, uh, why does suffering happen in the world, that disproves God. Secondly, I want to talk about it from an experiential, because many of us, and many times that question comes out of experience. But thirdly, I want to speak to people today who are going through suffering now, because I believe God wants to strengthen you, encourage you, increase your faith today, that it's not meaningless, it's not uh, it's not the end, it's not without purpose, but he is going to use it for good. Romans tells us that God can use all things for good for those who are called according to his purposes. So philosophically, let's look at this question. You know, this is one of the number one reasons why people would say they're an atheist, that suffering exists in the world. This is called the problem of evil. Um, there's been many great writers speak to this, many great Christian writers, some of the ones uh, since Bible college and have recently who have influenced my thinking on this, and I'd encourage you to look up at C.S. Lewis, one of my favorites, um, G.K. Chesterton, David Plattinger, the philosopher out of uh, Notre Dame there, um, more recently, Timothy Keller and Mark Clark. You could type in their names and write the problem of suffering, and they would give you a more robust kind of concept of this, but I want to touch on some things. The idea is that if a loving God exists then he'd put an end to suffering. If he is all-powerful, then he can put an end to suffering. Since suffering exists, God must not be real, 
or must not be good. That's the premise in this argument of the problem of evil. I know when I first gave my life to Christ as a teenager, um, I had a great group of friends, but they didn't, they didn't do that at the same time as me. So I'd turn up uh, after getting on fire for Jesus. I met him at a youth group event. One of my friends took me along. Shout out to our C3 youth and our awesome youth pastor. I love them so much. The youth's on fire, and it's great. And I was brought along to a, a youth group, actually. There was kind of a mini revival taking place in our town. A town of 4,000, small church, but the youth group was 150, 80% of them from non-church backgrounds. And I'm declaring a great revival over the youth here at C3 Calgary, and they're actually going to inspire and push us to get more excited about evangelism and seeing people saved. And this is what took place for me. I got saved at youth group, turned back up to school, and all of a sudden, my friends had a bunch of questions, even though we were only teenagers. Uh, I remember one day turning up and um, my friend saying, you know, what do you do for the weekend? I was like, oh, well, I went to church. It was awesome. You should come along, repent, turn from your evil ways. No, I didn't say that. I said, come along. I said, oh, that, that's awesome for you, man. Um, I got a question for you. If God is good, like you claim, then why did my mom pass away when I was young and my family have great suffering and I'm still suffering to this day? That's why I can't believe in God. That was a bit of a, a wake-up call for me that... Um, there's a lot of hurt and pain and suffering out there that is actually a barrier for people to experience the goodness that God has for them. And it's one of the number one reasons. This is actually for years why C.S. Lewis refused to believe in God. Was He would look around and he would see that all the suffering that was taking place, all the evil and all the wicked things, and he couldn't comprehend that a God could exist that would allow these injustices to take place. So for years he wouldn't believe in God, refused to believe in him. But then one day, he realized the dilemma in that thinking. The very fact that he could look at something and call it unjust, the very fact that he could look at something and call it evil, without something outside of us, outside of our boundaries, something that sets morality and right and wrong in place, that purely offer naturalistic, humanistic um, mindset, where we just evolved and there was nothing that set the universe in place and set morality in place, to get there and call something evil, to call something wicked, to call something suffering is unjust, is um, actually not objective. It's subjective. It's an opinion. Because without something that sets the boundaries in place, well, this might just be survival of the fittest. This might just be the the clearing out of the, the strengthening of the gene pool without actually um, something that set a boundary and a compass for us morality-wise. We can't look at anything and call it right or wrong with any objective, solid grounding. The problem of suffering is actually, and for C.S. Lewis, was less of an intellectual challenge than the problem of morality, right and wrong, and the concept of suffering being meaningless or unjust. And this led him on a journey to give his life to God. See, atheism and, and worldview outside of God doesn't have an answer to why we call something right or wrong, or why we can look at what's taken place to the First Nations children, which is a tragedy, or why we can look at sickness or abuse or evil in this world and call it wrong. Outside of a God setting a moral compass in us, that's merely an opinion. 
but we know in our heart that that's not, that there is right and wrong, that there is injustices. And Romans 2 tells us about this. It gives us the answer. It says, for when the Gentiles, so those who are not God's people, who do not have the law, speaking of the moral law established by God, the the word of God, um, when they do not have that, by nature do what the law requires, they are a law to themselves, even though they do not have the law. They show that the work of the law is written on their hearts. Isn't that an amazing thing? That whether someone believes it or not, God's actually written on the heart His law because we're all made in His image. And that's the answer to it. So the concept and fact that we care and that we're stirred by injustices um, and suffering actually points more to the proof of a good God than against it. But we get stuck on this thinking. Uh, Secondly, the idea that God can just simply do anything, although it's a cute idea, do you know it's not actually biblical? Hey, hold the tomatoes. There's no heresy up here today. Uh, The Word of God actually tells us there's things that God cannot do. He's all-powerful, but that doesn't mean He can just do anything. In Titus chapter 1, verse 2, it states that God cannot lie. That's something He cannot do. In Isaiah 6 and 1 Peter 1.16 says he cannot sin. It's not that he doesn't sin. He cannot sin. It's against what he can do. Because he is just, the Bible tells us he cannot overlook sin. This is, the, the con- this is why the cross had to happen. God is right and just and unable to overlook sin. We are all sinners God wants us to be in relationship with him. So Jesus comes and takes the brunt and the punishment and everything to do with our sin so God can invite us into relationship with him. He doesn't overlook our sin. Our sin is transferred to Jesus on the cross. And in faith, we place that on him. And then we become the righteousness of God, sons and daughters of him. That's the gospel. And that's an amazing thing. So God is all powerful, yes, but he cannot act against his character or will or what he's established in this life. Um, If God was to, sometimes I've heard people say, well, why doesn't God just snap his fingers and and it all goes away, all the suffering ends? Well, for God to do that, two things would have to happen. He would have to remove free will from us because we have been given free will. Uh, I think we'd agree if we were all just robotic slaves without choice, that's not loving. God's lovingly given us free will, which includes making bad choices or people being able to do wrong to others or creates a climate in this world where suffering can take place. So he would have to remove free will or he would have to cease, um, that we would have to cease to be. And there are two things that God won't do. He won't remove free will because he is a free God. We are created in his image. And the heart of God is that as many people, I believe God's created a world where as many people as possible can freely choose him rather than being forced to choose him um, by, by free will. And that's his heart. It says in 1 Timothy uh, chapter 2, verse 4, he wants all people to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. So the heart of God is that all people would come, but free choice is required for that Free will is required for that, for God to show his love and not force us to do that. And, um, and let's be honest, one of the biggest injustices, as I quickly get rolling along here, one of the biggest injustices in the world for us is when we see someone's free will taken away, when we see their choice taken away. And maybe there's people today, stuff has happened to you because you've had your choice taken away. This is 
um, clearly, clearly one of the biggest injustices in the world, and we know that through um, slavery that's taken place and continues to take place uh, through human trafficking today, even in our own city of Calgary, people's choices getting taken away, or non-consensual acts uh, committed against somebody. Um, it's, it's a big uh, injustice that stirs our heart, and it stirs God's heart because His desire is we have free will. So let me skip ahead here. Maybe I need to do a part two one day, guys. Um, philosophically, for God to get rid of the potential of suffering would to be get rid of the freedom of choice, which would go against His own nature and how He's established things. So the concept of evil and suffering exists. Therefore, God must not, or he must not be good, clearly breaks down when we start to apply some critical thinking and biblical insight to it. So what? How does that help? It helps us come to the understanding that suffering and injustices are not a reason to doubt a good God, but actually evidence to trust in him and believe in him and to push into him. And if he is true and suffering can exist and um, and God can exist, then the answer and the solution for suffering must be within God, not outside of Him. See, atheism worldview tells us that suffering exists, so there must be no God. Some other worldviews say that there's a God or a universe, so we need to deny suffering in this moment and uh, escape it and live in a place of nirvana. Other worldviews say God exists, suffering exists, we just have to get through this life, um, set the right formula in place, and we escape to paradise afterwards. But Christianity and the Word of God is unique in that it says God exists and He's good. Suffering and pain exist. Not only is there going to be an end time where this is all dealt with, but in the here and now, God will dive into our suffering and be present with us and suffer for us so he can relate to us. See, we have the answer, and Christ is the answer to why suffering takes place, but he's also the solution, and that he can be with you today in your suffering, in your pain, in whatever's taking place. This is the amazing thing about our God and the Word of God. God revealed in the Bible is the only true answer to why there's suffering and how we deal with it. And I mentioned there that this is all going to be restored at the end time. And I love one of my favorite scriptures speak to this in Revelations chapter 21. And this isn't a dismissal of our pain and suffering. It doesn't just simply go away. But the amazing story and, and um, what God has revealed to us, that the goodness that's going to take place, ultimately, whether our suffering gets dealt with in this life or not, in the end times, it, it will, that God's going to not just restore it, but actually the goodness is going to outweigh any suffering that we can face on this earth. In chapter 21 of Revelations, it says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. There was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne say, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. And this is what we need to hear today in regards to suffering. It says, he will wipe away every tear from their eyes. There'll be no more death, no more mourning, no more crying or pain for the old order of things 
has passed away. This is what God has in store for suffering in the grand scheme of things. Now, um, I think often here, and as we kind of start to jump down to the end of the thing here, and I, I will skip ahead a little on my notes, because this is such a big topic, um, but I'm hoping there's some insight here for us on why God might allow suffering. But more often than not, theologically, academically, that's, that doesn't mean anything when we're going through pain and suffering. Have you found that? We can have the theories, we can have the ideas, but then when we actually go through suffering, the experience of the pain is so strong that we don't think of that. We don't act out of that place. And I think more where this question comes from, why, God, am I suffering in this moment? Or why is my loved one suffering? Why, why God, after I've served you and loved you and, and, and tried to honor you, would suffering take place? And it's experience. It's not an academic exercise that takes place. Maybe we can relate to this that um, anyone who's followed Jesus for a long time, the Word of God says that He's a good God. And it says that He has good gifts in Matthew 7, 11. Good gifts, um, the Father has good gifts. James 1, 17 says, every good and perfect gift is from above. And we know and we believe that, yet we're still conflicted and struggle when suffering takes place. Can anyone else relate to that? Yeah, I know the guys online are just going, yep, we can too, like we can hear it and out there in the foyer. This is a real conflict. Here's a few questions for us to, to consider and maybe uh, jot down on your notepad or think about and pray about. Is This might help us reconcile this in those moments. Is God's goal for you and I primarily happiness or is it a maximum revelation and experience of intimacy with Him? Because there is a difference. God could make us happy, but in our happiness, we wouldn't go to him and experience the intimacy that he wants to have with his sons and daughters. He could make us simply happy, but we wouldn't get to experience the depths of his love that he has for us as we're at our rope stand, and the only thing we can do is throw ourselves into his arms. Is God's goal happiness or intimacy with him? And the second question is, can there be a benefit to our sufferings that we wouldn't be able to step into if we didn't go through them? I would suggest that more than happiness, God wants something much more impactful for you and I today. And sometimes that requires in this broken world that we're in, Him to allow periods of suffering or pain or uh, not knowing what's going on in order that he wants to reveal something new to us in our lives. Romans 5, verse 3 and 4 says, Paul, the Apostle Paul is speaking. He says, more than that, we rejoice in our sufferings. Settle down, Paul. Rejoicing in our sufferings. Knowing that suffering produces, so there we go, suffering can produce something. It's not meaningless. Suffering actually goes on to produce something. In this case, produces endurance and endurance produces character, and character produces hope. It leads to something great that couldn't have been experienced beforehand. Malcolm Muggeridge, who's a famous journalist and a satirist who gave his life um, to the Lord later in his life, he says it like this. I thought this sums it up well. It says, Indeed, I can say with all truthfulness that everything I have learned in my 75 years in this world that has truly enhanced and enlightened my existence has been through affliction and not through happiness. 
In other words, if it were possible to eliminate affliction from our earthly existence through some drug, the result would not make life delectable, but to make it banal, trivial, and to be endured. I thought that's a great summary. As painful as it is, I think we can all acknowledge that this rings true, that life's biggest lessons are often only learnt through periods of suffering. So, can good come from suffering? Apparently it can. Does that mean God enjoys our suffering? Of course not. But man, I, I think he enjoys the fact that in our suffering we can bring that to him and experiencing him in greater levels and depth. So for those suffering today, I want to end with some words to encourage you uh, in this and the, the band can come back as we close. See, this has been my, my attempt at answering this question. You guys asked for it. Why would a God, good God allow suffering? I hope we've seen that uh, suffering is multifaceted, it's complex, but suffering itself actually gives us an opportunity and reason to believe that there's a good God who can dive into our suffering and be with us and, and has, uh, has a plan for it. He doesn't mean he causes our suffering. The world's been established with free will and, and a context where there's potential for suffering, but it does mean that he can use our suffering for good. He can turn it around. Many, many times miracles take place, and I know there's been miracles in this room where suffering is dealt with in a miraculous way, and we have a testimony of, of being able to glorify God because the suffering has ceased. And other times, what brings equally God, uh, glory to God, and in some ways more, is that in our suffering, we continue to pursue Him. In our suffering, we continue to chase after Him. In our suffering, in our pain, in our sickness, in our relationship issues, we're still worshiping God. We're not running away from Him. We're running towards Him. That brings glory to God as well. And ultimately, all suffering is going to be dealt with. But for those going through pain today and suffering, I want you to hear three things. I believe the Word of God fully enforces these things. But more than that, I believe the Holy Spirit's going to speak to your heart. And if you're suffering and you're online today, you're part of our online family or you're here, why don't you just put yourself in a position to hear these because I do believe the Holy Spirit will confirm this and speak to you before we close today. So if you're going through pain and hardship and suffering, I believe God wants to say your current suffering does not mean that God loves you less or is punishing you. You are fully loved by God. You need to hear that today. He is not punishing you all of our punishment was poured out on Christ on the cross. Second thing is God is with you in your suffering. Maybe you can't feel him. Maybe you haven't seen him, but take a moment to invite him in because I believe he wants to remind you that he is right there with you in your suffering and he's never left you through your suffering. And thirdly, although it's hard to see it, I think God wants us to leave today knowing that God can use your suffering for good, for the benefit of you and for the benefit of others. It's not wasted. It's not meaningless. There's a greater purpose that maybe we can't see in this moment, but if we were to be able to zoom out and have God's view, He's going to utilize your suffering for great good to touch many lives. I love the story of Joseph who goes through an amazing period of suffering in his life 
but he makes this statement in Genesis 50, chapter 20. You meant evil against me, Joseph says, but God meant it for good to bring it about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. See, many people couldn't be kept alive without a period of suffering for Joseph to go through. And in John 9, um, before it, it says of Christ, before restoring a man's sight, Christ explains that his blindness did not occur, occur as a penalty to sin, but rather that the works of God might be displayed in him. So I want to say those three things again before I pray and close uh, out the service today. Your current suffering does not mean God loves you less or is punishing you. God is with you in the suffering. And although it's hard to see, know that God can use your suffering for good. Let's stand in this place. I want to pray over us today. I'm going to hand the service back to Pastor Tim. Um, and if anybody who's in the room today wanted prayer, I'm a, I'd love to stand with you and pray for you if anything gets stirred up. This idea, this problem of suffering is a highly personal one and can stir up all kinds of things. But I know God's here to be the comforter. But I'd also love to stand with you and pray. And maybe today you're in this place or you're listening online um, and you've never made that decision to follow Jesus. Maybe even a barrier for you has been, how can these bad things happen? How can this take place? And I would just want to... Uh, I hope I've been able to give some insight today that this need not be a barrier for us to place our faith in Him. Actually, it's probably an indicator that we need to because Jesus wants to dive right on into our lives wherever you're at and meet with you. And if you want to make that decision, I'd also love to, to lead you in that. Or if you're online, there'll be an opportunity and Pastor Tim will tell us about how we can take some next steps for that. So let me pray for us today. And I want to pray uh, for the, the answer to this question to continue to be unpacked. But I want to pray for those going through periods of suffering now. So Father God, I thank you that you're not a God who shies away from tough questions. God, that you actually want us to bring our questions to you, Lord. I thank you for this series that I think is going to grow and benefit our community so much, Lord. And, and I thank you, God, that you're not a God who is absent from us. God, you're not a God who just has left us to our own devices, but you've set a world in motion with so many good things and so many amazing things. But in the times where there's suffering, in the times where there isn't good, Lord, I pray that we would have the faith, we would have the courage, we would have the strength to not take that away from you or see it as reason to step back from you, but actually an opportunity to dive into greater levels of intimacy with you. I know that's your heart for us today. And I know for anyone going through suffering and pain um, outside of the context of you, there isn't comfort or peace, but I know that they can bring that to you uh, raw and uh, uncensored and whatever it might be, and you'll meet them where they're at. So I pray for greater levels of comfort today for those who are suffering. For those who can't see a way out or can't see a meaning in it, Lord, I pray you would speak to them now. You would rise up faith. You would decrease fear. You would give them eyes to see that something greater might be in play, that their greater days are ahead of them, and that you're going to utilize what they're going through for good, not just for their own sake, but to change lives around them. And there's going to be a flow-on effect even beyond their life, even beyond their generations that will go on to change the generations, God, because you're a God who can utilize the bad and, and, and make it good. You're a God who can take what is wrong and use that to bring restoration and healing and peace and comfort to the world around you. So we love you, God. We thank you. You're a good, good God. We thank you that suffering doesn't take that away from you. And Lord, I pray for great levels of intimacy with you from this day forward for everybody in this place. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.
Amen. Thank you for allowing me to tackle that today. Pastor Tim, you can come up, and I'd love to pray with anybody after the service. That was such a good word. Thank you, Pastor Stephen, for that. Thanks for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and check out our C3 Calgary live stream on YouTube. If this message resonated with you and you'd like to give to our church, you can do so on our website at myc3church.ca. See you next week.